Hello, and welcome to the fifth anniversary of Worst Bestsellers, where we read about vampire aliens so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Host by Stephanie Meyer. Joining us to discuss this non-dazzling follow-up to the Twilight Saga is Caroline, xenomorph enthusiast and compulsive do-gooder. Hello! Welcome back. It's great to talk to you about Stephanie Meyer's novels again. Yes. If you if you are new to Worst Bestsellers and for some reason are starting here, great, welcome. Um, <laughs> but uh, our very first episode was Twilight, and Caroline was our very first guest. And since then, every year on our anniversary, we've read a new book in the Twilight Saga. Except last, Except year, last year, we ran out of Twilight, and we <laughs> made our own Twilight book with help from our friend Danielle, who led us in a Twilight uh, RPG, which was very fun. You should check that out, too. Um, and now we are circling back to to read The Host by Stephanie Meyer, which we'd been sort of delaying for a lot of reasons. Mainly, it's not as fun or good as Twilight. <laughs> Uh, which I, very quickly, I will summarize, um, I was introduced to the Twilight Saga when I was in the Peace Corps, and the movies started coming out then, and we had all the books, and I've talked about this before, like, all of us when we were in Peace Corps, like, we didn't really have internet or electricity a lot of the times, so we all read so many books. So I, I read the whole Twilight Saga. I read whatever I could get my hands on. I read all of Infinite Jest when I was in Peace Corps. And then I got my hands on a copy of The Host, and I was like, great, like, this will be fun, like, Twilight. I have infinite time on my hands. I have no internet to distract me. And I read the first chapter, and I was like, you know what? I can't do this. I think maybe I read the first two chapters, and I was like, nope, no, I can't do this. So I've never had read this before, but I'd read just enough to know that this was going to be a real chore to get through. I have not read any of this. Obviously, I hadn't even really read The Twilights before we did Twilight. I remember when it came out, I was selling books when it came out, and I remember it being a big deal and us getting like a zillion copies and I remember people generally being like oh like I really wanted something that was more like Twilight and this isn't and I don't care about it and I remember then we just had a bazillion copies that we sat around I mean don't get me wrong it did still sell very well but we had ordered it for it to sell Twilight well and it did not. (laughs) I would be really curious with the number of those you sold like when they do the statistics if you're doing an ebook or like netflix to see how far people get in it <laughs> because yeah. I, I i can imagine a lot of those went unfinished my story with this book this is a special book to me in some ways um i had read twilight and i was just like going on a road trip and looking for something that was on cd at the library so i'm like okay i'll get this other dumb stephanie meyer book i i thought it was also a vampire book that was just my assumption and then i'm listening to it and i like i was like i actually thought the beginning was really cool maybe just because i had no expectations and i'm like oh this is like a cool sci-fi idea and i put myself like when i was introducing myself as a xenomorph enthusiast it's i do like the alien series so that's one of the reasons but also just i 
I do like sci-fi that deals with aliens that are like very alien, very different from humans. And so I was hopeful as I started reading this book that she was really exploring something interesting there and sort of as it's on, it becomes more and more of just a relationship drama and with some other stuff thrown in. So I was a little down on it by the end, but I had been tweeting about it and Renata and I were Twitter friends um so this we're, was like we're and are please we're in R, but at the time that was like all i knew you from at the yeah. time is that we both kind of like to tweet about bad books and twilight and the x-men and stuff like that so i commented that i had rented this movie of the host which i by the way i know i watched but had no memory of it when i went back to read about it it had ladybird as the lead who, of course, that was before she was Lady Bird, but is <laughs> is still playing a teenager how many years later? Um, but then I said I was going to watch it, and then Renata was like, oh, I'll talk to you while you watch it. And so we got on G-Chat. That was when she told me during the G-Chat, I think I was too having too much fun chatting to Renata to actually watch the movie. And I remember that was when she told me to listen to the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And also told me that she and Kate were getting ready to launch a um, podcast that turned out to be worst bestseller. So yeah. it was all, you know, part of my my excitement from day one for this podcast. So but the book... your five year anniversary of watching this movie or not watching it as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I have no regret. Like I went back and looked at the cast list and I'm like, again, Schwarzer Ronan has gone on to better things than this, even if she's still playing a teenager. Um, well, and interestingly, and... I mean, Technically, she is not a teenager in the host, but we'll get into right, that. Right, exactly. She's playing older in the host than she played in Lady Bird. So. Yeah. Um, also, so I remembered that chat, but in my head, I thought we had been, like, both watching the movie, like, like sort of around the time live tweeting maybe became a thing, but, you know, I had other long-distance friends we'd put on the same movie on Netflix, chat together online i don't need to explain this concept but anyway i yeah, in my head have... i thought we were doing that but then i started i got past the first two chapters before i noped out of the book and then i was like i don't remember any of this i cannot possibly have seen this movie because i have just zero recall of it and then carrie was like oh yeah you didn't actually watch the movie i was just like narrating it to you and i was like okay <laughs> we have definitely also we have done that we have done that with movies you and i we've done that with breaking bad and like mm. leverage and stuff over the years yeah so and, um, it's just this particular time you you did not subject yourself to to this really questionable adaptation yes i've never seen the movie i don't want to uh it's it's interesting because I would agree with Carrie that like when I started it I was like oh this is a really interesting concept like conceptually I like the idea of an invasion of the body snatchers from the perspective of the body snatchers but it doesn't turn into that like I was I was doing errands yesterday I was doing too many errands yesterday for my poor sick body to handle mm. uh and I had uh my friend Lisa in the car with me and so she was listening to, like, parts of this and was like, what is this? And I tried to explain it to her. And, it <laughs> and then you were is... like, you're going to have to listen to a two-hour podcast about it. Come back later. Yeah. It, it just, it, it's, it has such a great concept that it does nothing with. Yeah. Two things. I guess we should start to explain the concept. But second of all, I do, I do want to just say that a re recurring beef that I'm going to have with this book is that 
this is this is the villains of Animorphs, and it's so much better in Animorphs. And why would anyone even try to do anything that was kind of like Animorphs when you know the Animorphs did it better? You know they so, did. Okay. I apologize because my only familiarity is with Animorphs is this podcast. And I, so Animorphs, the villains are worms that attach to people's brains and control them. Correct. Yeah. So that's exactly what this movie is. Exactly. What this book is. Yeah. Okay. Um, In Animorphs, they're called Yerks. Um, And there are, there are some differences between the Yerks and the souls, which are what the aliens in this book are called. Let's dive into this book Ugh. and and kind of peel through. That so little happens that I don't think it'll take long. I know, last like word. I made this outline because I because um, it is so many pages. It's sixty chapters and an up ep- and an epilogue, or but so many of the chapters are are nothing. It starts with a prologue that this is where I started to nope out because it starts with this prologue to introduce you into the alien world. And it just hits me with, like, too many fantasy sci-fi names. You know, like, I have a harsh limit. There's, like, ten on a page. I'm like, no, I don't like this now. I needed, like, five max of this shit. And so it's like, oh, and I'm healer, healer, Ford's waters, blah, blah, blah. And it's just nonsense. Um, So the the healer, Ford's dark waters, is uh, inserting a soul, which is the type of alien that... He is into uh, the back of a recently killed but kind of reanimated and healed human host. Um, and I think, by the very... way, I don't think they can bring people back from the just... I feel like this would matter later. I don't think they can bring people back from the dead. I think she attempted suicide but didn't actually die, but they brought her back from, like, very near death. Ah, because they have really good medicine, as we'll discuss later. Yes. yes, did not. I 100% assume that she was actually dead. Um, but so he's inserting this soul into a new human host. Uh, and the soul who he dubs Wanderer um, has been to a whole bunch of different planets because they've done this on a whole bunch of different planets. And uh, the soul Wanderer is very accomplished and he uh, has a good feeling about this, but he still kind of like hates the whole process and how like painful and awful it is to everyone. But there is a seeker who is a different type of alien on this planet who specifically wanted Wanderer's soul to be put into this body because this body is part of the resistance of humans that are still, the planet has mostly been taken over by souls, um, but there's still some pockets of resistance and the seeker wants the memories that the body will have because the idea is once the soul is implanted, it has access to all of the knowledge and memories of the body, but the actual like personality and consciousness is squished and killed. Yes. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to nitpick except I think that this is important a, a seeker is not a different type of like they're all the same species of soul oh, alien. Same species, different job. Yeah, than a, a seeker is a job. I think it's kind of like a, a cop. Ex- yeah, like an alien cop, but they don't really have a lot of crimes per se. So yeah, she's very focused on wanderer, and she doesn't seem to have much else to do. Yes, they're all all the aliens are the same type of alien, but are the same species of alien. But seeker and healer are two of several very stupidly named jobs. And it's interesting different... because they there are these like specialized titles that are, you know, capital S Seeker, capital H Healer, 
capital C, comforter, but then there fully are souls who are just like, I work at McDonald's and this is my calling. (laughs) Which, I mean, honestly, like, because money isn't a thing, like, I feel like that's fine. Totally. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, you have these, like, high fantasy, like, type titles, like, I'm a capital H healer, but then you have it mixed with people who are like, yeah, I work at this convenient, like, I'm a clerk. Um, and again, nothing wrong with that being a job that you enjoy or have or, and, and as you say, there is no money. So it's, there's no, there's no point in doing a, a a different, you know, more difficult job if you don't want to, but it's, it's a funny mix and maybe that is some intentional humor in Stephanie Meyer's part, but that's always hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I got kind of more of the impression that obviously, like, healers and comforters are doctors and therapists, but that, like, because, like, I guess the alien's point is to conquer all these planets and make them peaceful, that, like, once they've done that, a lot of aliens, a lot of souls' jobs are just to keep the planet running. Yeah. Okay, Can can I interject a little cultural context here, or do we want to wait for this? Let's just go. What is that? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I, I since this is an audio medium, I feel like I need we need to specify that the soul is spelled S O U L, not S O L E, like the fish, because oh. otherwise I wouldn't be sure. But okay, so Stephanie Meyer is famously a Mormon. My parents, who raised me, who are lovely people, are also Mormon. Um, I am not a religious adult myself, but I have been through this. And I, so if you are part of a Mormon congregation, you have a calling, which is literally like the bishop comes in and says, God wants you to, for instance, my God constantly wanted my dad to um, be the Boy Scout leader, even when he did not have (laughs) Boy Scouts. And it seemed like, it's like, no, it's not at all that nobody else in this, um, in this uh, church wants feels like dealing with these teenage boys. It's that we're telling you what you do now is you're the boy scout leader. My parents would just do because they, I mean, my parents are, again, I say lovely people would give you the shirt off their back and they will do anything, you know, that they are called to do. So that, you know, that nobody was like called to work at McDonald's, but certainly some people are called to like be the bishop and make decisions for the church. And other people are called to, you know, um, watch the kids in the nursery during the thing. So that to me, it was interesting that she like literally uses the word calling and like has this, it seems like fairly benevolent idea of um, this hierarchy that just people get to do what they're suited for whoever is the you know it's not clear there doesn't seem to ever be like a leader of these aliens who makes these decisions it just kind of comes down and everybody is mostly happy with it uh but i did thought that that was kind of a that was definitely an interesting um uh, context for this yeah thank you um, so we've got the seeker who really wants the information that is in Wanderer's new brain. Uh, and Wanderer wakes up and is immediately like fighting with the consciousness that is already there. Um, she experiences like the last memories of the consciousness, which is supposedly like all that is supposed to happen is that you have their last terrible memories and then you take over and they die except that the body that she's in the consciousness that she's in melanie does not die 
she's real mad about the fact that an alien is now in her brain and still like lingering and interjecting thoughts, which really freaks Wanderer out because as I said, she had been to like eight other planets pre- uh, previous to this and that's never happened before and it's not supposed to happen. And beyond that, like Mel- the Melanie is the, the host's name. Um, Melanie even talks like with her mouth, like she says something out loud and Wanderer didn't mean for her to say it. Yeah, so she's shocking. Real freaked out, and the Seeker's like, fucking whatever, it'll be fine. And the healer's like, it's not, it might not necessarily be fine, and tells the story of a different soul that was put into a body named Kevin and was having similar issues. He's like, hey, we need to talk about Kevin. (laughs) I love that, like, the uh, sort of boogeyman villain here is Kevin. In that um, the Kevin body, the consciousness did not ever go away and kind of let the soul into a false sense of security and then tried to kill itself and the the alien, the soul, as well. Um, So the soul was taken out and put into a baby uh, and Kevin was killed and the baby is still kind of messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so it's kind of like a if you feel like you can't handle this, let us know before it gets to this point. And Wanderer's like, oh, I can definitely handle it because I am super strong. And people who don't stay in their host body for a whole life cycle are weak and they're skippers is what they're called. And uh, she... Not, not like on a boat, like in a bad no. way. <laughs> uh, she doesn't want to do that. So she's going to stick with Melanie so she goes out into society and Melanie is still like sort of bothering her. She becomes a teacher, a professor because she's been to so many planets. She's very good at telling like their species history. Um, But Melanie is still there and Melanie keeps accidentally showing her or sometimes on purpose showing her memories from her life in the resistance, um, specifically her, this handsome man who (laughs) She meets one night while raiding an alien's house for food who is also a human and one of the few who humans left. And his name is Jared and he's so hunky. And even though Wanderer can't tell what human attractiveness is, she just instinctively knows Mm -hmm. that this man is very handsome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we also, we also through memory and flashback, and these are in a different font, so you know it's different. Um, it's, a, it's an ugly font, too, just by the way. Yeah, I don't care for it. Um, anyway, Jared is her, her past boyfriend, um, although it takes them forever to actually hook up in the flashbacks. Ugh. Because, by the way, Stephanie Meyer, I, I feel like we need to have a talk with her regarding age of consent and all of that. Yeah. Because Melanie's body at the time of the flashbacks is 17 and Jared is 26. And Mer- Melanie's like, no big deal. Like, we've been through so much together and, like, we might be the last two humans on Earth. And Jared's like, yeah, but you're 17, though. And she's like, nah. And... <laughs> Anyway, and then this happens again later in the same book, more or less, like another thorny issue of age. And it's like, girl, why? Why are you doing this? You're creating these people, just whatever. Anyway. And what she what she has learned is to lie about her age at the end of the book. Yes, correct. Um, 
Melanie also has a younger brother named Jamie who she loves very much and is sort of a mother figure for. And so it's Melanie and Jamie and Jared creating this sort of proto-nuclear family on the run. Um, And so Wanderer, through these memories, comes to love Jared and Jamie, too, just because she feels such loving memories of them. Um, so she has a therapist who a is comforter. a comforter, mm-hmm. not like a blanket, but like <laughs> a human therapist, but with a dumb name. Um, <laughs> and the, the therapist, though, is a comforter is another soul, obviously, who is assigned to her to help her through her transition. And after having like a bunch of intrusive Melanie thoughts, she finally uh, goes to see the comforter and explains what's been going on. And the comforter suggests that she move to a different body because I guess they have discovered at this point that they've stopped putting, and this is, this is where part of, I mean, a lot of this breaks down for me in various reasons, but at this point um, they explain that uh, they've stopped putting souls into adult human bodies because the adult human psyches are too strong and it's too dangerous so instead, they have only begun implanting them into children, which they've fucking at this point taken over the entire goddamn planet. Like, how did it take them an entire planet being taken over to discover this? It doesn't make and, any sense. Don't think yeah, about it too and hard. Clearly, most of the adults that they encounter do not have this situation. So it's like we're talking about like, what, 20 people on the whole planet, but... It sounds more like it's like, okay, anybody they catch at this point is going to be a very stubborn, resistant person. So maybe that's why, maybe it just means they're not going into the people who are left, but it's very confusing. Yeah. Um, so she it, doesn't want to become a skipper, and all, but also like the therapist is like, oh, well, if you're so hung up on this Jared guy, maybe you'll be able to get information to capture him and then we can implant a soul into you and into him and then the two of you could be together. And she is like literally made sick by this fact because Melanie is still so strong in her and she runs out of the office and bumps into the seeker um, and essentially like eventually the seeker's like, listen, like we're going to have Melanie you take it out of Melanie and put in a new body and I'm going to go in that body so that I can get the information that I want. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Wanderer hates this idea, but also like kind of has to go along with it. But also they need to do that. And before she does that, she wants to go see her original healer for its deep waters and get his opinion. But that's in Chicago. And it's in Tucson. It's in Tucson. And she's currently in Chicago. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, I think they're in California, and I think they're talking about Chicago for other re- like because oh right because here's why it's so stupid because Wanderer wants to drive to Tucson rather than fly because um she says it's because the host gets airsick, but it's also because she keeps having these memories of like a map and she kind of wants to see it and. The seeker's like, well, that's stupid. Like, if you're so afraid to fly, like, what if the healer was in Chicago? Would you drive to Chicago? Okay, that's And what they I have this stupid it. conversation about it. And she's like, yeah, maybe I would drive to Chicago. But she doesn't. She goes to Tucson, just like where Bella Swan is from. Anyway, yes. there's a few so, other things I want to sprinkle in here. The other thing that she learns from the comforter is she's like, well, I don't want to leave Melanie's body because I think somebody else would have trouble with that with her as well. Um and the comforter's like, no, 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 we'll just kill her. Like, it'll be fine. We'll just, like, dispose of that body. No one else will have to deal with that shit. And 
uh, Wanderer is already sort of attached to Melanie, so she doesn't want her to be killed, and she doesn't want the Seeker to be in there. And the other thing that's... Okay, so the souls are this very peaceful, invasive species. Like, they don't have guns, they don't have weapons, they just... And they're very um, conflict-averse. Like, once you're taken over and become a soul, you're just a very chill person. So this is what I was saying earlier about how Seekers, like, they don't really have cops because um, souls never break the law. They never do anything wrong. They just are very chill and agree with with each other. And slightly later on, we learned from the resistance that that was how they started to realize they were being taken over by aliens because criminals were just going and suddenly turning themselves in and things like that. And like no one was doing crimes anymore because the aliens were so chill and peaceful and never did that. And also they have this weird socialist society where they still have stores and restaurants, but no money is exchanged. You just go and get whatever you want and then leave. Which honestly, alien socialism now, I'm into it. Yeah, everything about this society is like, where are the aliens? Let them come, please. Please let them come. Um, they, they're a big thing that they, they do is like, oh, like this, this world murder, people are killed so frequently by other people on this world that they have a word for it. (laughs) It's like one of her horrible, the wanderers like horrible thoughts about why they needed to take over this planet and fix it because people and people like abuse children and the way that it's said i don't i don't understand why we're supposed to be rooting against the aliens i mean because once they take over your body they completely destroy your person they effectively all the humans are effectively dead except for melanie so i I have a few thoughts like on this about the recurring theme that the ethics of this book are fucked Yes. Partly for the reason that Kate said, but all it's also one of those things about, you know, like the whole conversation about, you know, what, you know, how oppression is violence and we just don't recognize it mm. because these creatures are like, oh, it's so horrible that humans kill each other, but they're just very casual about just completely disposing of the human consciousness. And there is like, as we go on, one of like, the cool things to me in this book is that she keeps telling these stories about things that happened on other planets, much like in twilight where Jasper was the leader of a vampire civil war cult. Yes. Um, And it's just like sort of thrown off in description. And you're like, why isn't that a book? Yeah. So she keeps doing these like cool, like space adventures with like demon bears and stuff like that. And it's just like, Oh, you know, that happened. But But anyway, back to bread baking. Right, exactly. But the um, the sort of weird thing is that as especially as the book goes on, they keep throwing these things about, well, you know, humans are more resistant than other species. Humans are more unique. The human personality of her host infected her. But there's also just this throwaway story about this whole species on another planet that sounded like it was like a peaceful, like they're plants, they're peaceful. Like, there's no reason for them to be um, inhabited that is clear at all. And then they all suicided, like mass suicided rather than be taken over by the hosts. So clearly, despite whatever Wanderer thinks, these uh, people, these beings on the other planet also did not like being taken over by the body snatchers. And it's just like, well, we're on Earth and our readers are human. So they're going to sympathize with the humans. 
but it's just yeah it's it's kind of, so but i guess just so my point is everybody's so impressed with wanderer's ethics because she doesn't want to commit personal violence like as it goes on the humans become impressed with that um that she which i'm skipping ahead to but i'm um, spoiling there are humans in this book um but yeah. again it's like of um, what i mean this just to take over people's bodies and destroy their consciousness is violent you know it's just like it you know it's literally done in a clinical way um so it's just kind of like you know every time that this book gets and there's like later just endless conversations about supposed ethical dilemmas and it's just like this ethical dilemma is not what you think it is I mean, this might be my very 2019 opinion, but like, the world is fucked anyway. Bring the aliens on. Take my consciousness. I don't care. Like, I mean, if that's going to be your argument, fair, but that's like what these people do. I'm like, they didn't even like solve fossil fuels, right? They're still driving around in cars. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I presumably still... The sea levels are still rising. People in, you know, coastal areas are still going to be fucked and, you know, things like that. So it's just kind of, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Like, if you're just like, okay, this planet's going to commit mass suicide anyway, fine. But it's, but, you know, to me, it's, you know, I, 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 I understand the sympathy, but for what you're saying, much as I, it's just sort of like the big giant meteor from space 2020 upset of it so I, I get that but yeah you're right it, it doesn't they don't make a very compelling argument for um why why humans deserve to survive but it's also like how morally superior are we supposed to think the aliens are when wanderer is like oh well i was in space when earth was taken over it's kind of like i never owned a slave so why do you care <laughs> Right. I feel like Kate's take is sort of like whenever we read any like zombie or dystopia and I'm just straight up like, oh, I think I'll just kill myself the second the zombies appear. Like, I just cannot deal with this. And um, I, I think it's just that. And I think that's a valid response to this nonsense. It's like, you know what? I, Fine. Take it. <laughs> agreed. I mean, that's basically where I am. But we need to keep moving sure, sure. forward. Okay, I was just going to say that I'm introducing the background ethical question, and I promise not to circle back to that. Um, so, uh, as Renata said, um, Wanderer decides that she is going to drive out, and while she's driving, she notices a mountain range that looks very familiar to her, to Melanie, and is presented with the memory of Melanie's uncle talking about his, like, conspiracy theorist hideaway in these particular mountains, and decides that that has memories of of her and jared and jamie talking about heading that way um so she stops at a convenience store and loads up on water and food and uh drives out well drives out as far as she can into the desert and then starts walking and ends up at a cabin that was being used by uh jamie and uh jared and melanie and from there, uh, heads out towards the direction that she thinks uh, Uncle Jeb's conspiracy theorist tidy hole is in. Uh, but she's not real good at like conserving resources, and she drinks the water too quickly, 
and ends up uh, not having enough for the entire walk out into the desert and also decides that she's they're going to walk during the day and sleep at night, which is pretty much the opposite of everything I've ever heard about traveling through the desert. Yeah, and like Melanie in her head is trying to give her survival tips and Wanderer is like, no, you're not the boss of me. Anyway, so she ends up, like, dehydrated and passed out and, like, near death, and then Uncle Jeb finds her and is like, oh, this is this is quite a pickle, and then she sort of blacks out, and she uh, she's in, like, cave jail, and she learns that um, there are human survivors, including Jared, uh, but they're not into this. And here is another thing that... I don't understand it all. Is Melanie in her head is like freaking out? And she's like, "You got to tell them I'm still alive in here, um, Jared. I want to talk to Jared. Please let me talk to Jared." And Wander's like, "No, it'll be so bad. They'll kill us if they know you're alive. Like they'll kill us if they know you're in here." And I'm like, "I don't like. I understand that they don't trust. They already know she's an alien. By the way, you can tell when humans have aliens because their eyes are shiny." Um, so they know that there's a that there's a soul inside of Melanie. And it, it is unprecedented that a, that a person would still be alive in there. But I don't understand why she's like, no, they would kill her if they knew you were still there. It seems to me like opposite. Like, it seems to me yeah. like they're like, oh, my God, like Melanie is still in here. Like, obviously, we would prefer it if you would get out of her head. But since we don't know how to do that, like, let's still talk to Melanie because she's still kind of here. And I... It's chapters and chapters and chapters of like, no, they can't know her secret. No, shut up, Melanie. Shut up, Melanie. I'm like, I don't understand why this is a conflict. It yeah. is really that what the way that they explain it is, well, that's what they would want to happen. So they would know she was lying and they would kill her. And I'm like, that doesn't like comport with any understanding of how this would work. So I'm just like, it's almost just like you have to rather than, um, I, I've been introduced to the concept late recently of this term sweaty, which is like like as it's you have sweat on your body because they're working so hard to justify the plot decision. Yes. Rather than actually fixing your plot so it doesn't have this problem, you're just like, I'm going to get them to keep explaining why they're doing this because it's what I need to happen for the plot. And Meyer does that a lot. <laughs> Yes. So um, we start to learn about other, there's about 30 something people in this community. Most of them don't really matter, doesn't count. Um, there is a small faction of, okay, so Jeb is like, this is my house, it's my rules, and their rules are whoever has the most claim to a human body gets to decide like what happens to them, like if they should be killed or not. Um, and there is a doctor called Doc who keeps trying to Wanderer understands it as torture them. Like, he's trying to figure out how to get souls out of bodies, but he doesn't know how, so he's just, like, cutting them up. Um, and so they think it's going to be that, but then Jared lays claim to Melanie and says, like, no, we'll keep her alive. But, um, and Jared and Jamie both want that. Although, t um, but then there are some other people, mainly led by this guy named Kyle, who's a who's a jerky bro, who's like, well, okay, but you gotta sleep sometimes, Jared, and when you're asleep, I'm just gonna go straight up kill her. And so there's this chapters of just kind of death watch and, like, fighting, and Melanie slash Wanderer, con Wanderer is constantly like, no, I hate it that you're fighting over me, just kill me, I don't care, just kill me, like, or she'll get in the middle of a fight and, like, get punched, and there's all this talk about how, like, she's so small and skinny and bruised, just a lot of, like, oh, she's such a pathetic little waif, 
Um, a lot of that is happening. Um, yeah, so she's she's kept at first. They they keep her in like this little prison cell that they have made, and Jared doesn't want her killed, but also like doesn't want her there and thinks that she has killed Melanie and that she's garbage. But he can't stand to see Melanie's body killed. And Jared, but he will goes, straight up beat up Melanie's body, so that's yes, fine. He, he does hit her several times. But he goes out on a supply run and Jeb is like, listen, we're going to kind of like ease you into the general population. And uh, Jamie, meanwhile, like actually cares about Wanderer in addition to still obviously loving his sister, Melanie. Um, they set her up in what that she later finds out is Jared's room while he's away. And... Jared and Jamie's shared room. By the way, Jamie at this point in time is supposed to be like 14 years old, but s- sounds like a tween. Like he is written as if he is like 10 years old and he is a very charming child. But then when you pull out and they're like, oh, now he's a man now. Let's give him a gun. I'm like, he is talking like he's 10, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Jamie is like the, like, is the only character in the book whose like motivations consistently make sense. He's nice. He's kind of funny. I'm just like, okay, this is like a decent kid, even though he's clearly not 14 years old. And I just really feel sorry for him having to associate with everybody else in this book. Yeah. Uh, so they introduce Melanie into the general population that everyone like totally mean girls her constantly in the cafeteria. And when they see her in the hallway, like there's a lot of you can't sit with us vibes coming off of everyone. Um, but she starts uh, working in the garden, farm area, cave, and um, she begins to catch the eye of Kyle, the bully's brother, Ian, who is, like, r- real helpful and kind to her as time goes on. And then Jared comes back, and he's real mad that she's not in a cage and that she's sleeping in his room. Mm-hmm. And... By the way, throughout this, there's a lot of... the Something that's almost satisfying to me is I do enjoy, like, a old-timey, you know, Little House on the Prairie type situation where we're learning about making bread and, you know, having your small cozy house. And there is a surprising amount of that in this cave situation. A lot of just, like, here's our garden. Here's how we make bread. Um, It kind of reminds me of, like, when being a kid and playing Oregon Trail and being like, oh, we got these ketchup packets. Now we can make soup. And, like, we're living off the land. And it's, like, it's extremely that for chapters and chapters, which... See, this is... This is actually, like, this is my slight contrast to the way that Renata thinks about these kind of stories, because I totally get that you say, I just would not want to live into this apocalypse, but when I think about, like, apocalypse narratives, I'm like, oh, shit, why didn't I ever learn to sew or make bread or leather make or, like, you know, anything that would be useful in this context? So rather than sending me to existential despair, it's like, shit, let me go on Etsy and learn how to make some crafts, but I'm too lazy (laughs) to do it. Yeah, and I think that's a valid reaction. Anyway, so it's a lot of that. Um, And by the way, the raids that they do are very stupid because the society doesn't have any money, right? You can just, like, walk in and get whatever, except that if they notice that you don't have shiny eyes, they're like, oh, you need a a soul put in your body. Let me just grab you. But they're doing it, and they go, it's so dangerous, it's so risky, blah, blah, blah. And as we'll learn later, maybe it wasn't, but whatever. 
<laughs> but uh, Jared is like the strongest and the best, and so he always goes out in the raids because he's the best at this kind of thing. So whenever they need him away for plot reasons, he's on a raid. He goes on like seventeen raids. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So they they discover uh, they give Wander the name Wanda, and uh, they let her like do her storytelling teaching thing for everyone as part of her like paying her way into the caves. By the um, way, I, I just want to say, to clarify, Jeb gives her the name Wanda because, and there's a way to justify this by the, like, you know, it shows that humans give people nicknames because they like them. I kind of think of you as a Wanda, so I'm going to give you that nickname. Is that okay? But he's like, your name is too long. I'm going to call you something else that sounds more human. And like, I just wanted to throw out that, um, Corsair, who is the space pirate in the <laughs> X-Men, has a girlfriend who is a cat person. Yes. And he says within the um, within the comic that he calls her Hepzibah because it was the name of his cat and her name is too hard to pronounce. And since that place, from that point forward, I was imagining um, Jeb as basically being um, space pirate Corsair, but in Kate. Mm-hmm. I buy it. Uh, and also just it's just kind of you know clearly um kind of like i don't want to say racist but you know it's just kind of the the um yeah your name is you're too not hard like to us pronounce. your name yeah. sucks yeah, exactly. yeah i can't pronounce it. i'm just gonna call you mary anyway it's not cool some yeah. other stuff that happens uh this guy named walter dies because of cancer and wanda's like oh this is terrible because we have such good medicine you just can't get our medicine and she's really angsty about that um but she also so when he's dying he mistakes her he hallucinates that he she's his dead wife um and she kind of goes along with it to make him feel better and that is in the end like what kind of makes the community accept her because they see that she is like doing this compassionate thing for no other reason but to help this man who she doesn't actually know that well. So at that point, they're kind of like, oh, okay, like, you're kind of one of us now. Mm-hmm. Um, a helicopter flies over, and she knows the Seeker is still looking for her, but that doesn't come back for a little while. Um, Kyle tries to kill Wanda, and it's this whole, like, dramatic scene that maybe would be interesting in a movie. It's very tedious to read about. They're, like, in a cave, and he's trying to push her over, but then the ground collapses, and then he falls, and she saves him, but she's, like, really beat to shit, and it's, like, very obvious that Kyle has tried to kill her, but she doesn't... They have these tribunals, basically. They, they already had one to decide whether or not to, like, kill Wanda herself. Anyway, so they have one, but Wanda won't speak up and accuse Kyle, and she just keeps being like, no, I fell. No, um, nothing. He didn't do anything. Um, and so they don't kill Kyle, but the pro-Wanda faction is very mad at Kyle, which includes Kyle's brother, Ian. Um, and Jared, so before the, before the thing with Kyle happens, and I think also the thing with Walter happens, Jared does come back. And he's in it now. He comes back and goes like three times. So, yeah. So at first he's really mad when he finds out that she's been like living in his room uh, with Jamie and kind of like over time grows to accept her, even though he like is still like kind of an angry, abusive asshole, mm-hmm. but has, has like grows to accept and it, it less like punching her every time uh, he sees her. And then when, 
Uh, Kyle tries to kill her. He does punch Kyle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And every time, every time Wanda's like, these humans are terrible, like, such violence, I can't stand it, I can't see anyone being hit. It's very overwrought, her reaction, anytime there is the slightest amount of violence. And there is she a lot of loves, violence. She also, like, loves Cheetos for some reason that... You know what, Cheetos is... are delicious, no further questions. <laughs> are they, though? Yes. Um, and Jared, Jared and Ian, because you can't have, like, a fucking relationship drama without a weird love quadrangle, um, Jared and Ian, after Jared comes back, is like, Ian's like, well, well, Wanda will stay with me in my room. And Jared's like, no, she should stay with me in my room because she's in the body of my girlfriend. Ew. And there's a lot of, like, really gross fighting over who gets to lay claim to her Mm -hmm. it's not great it's very it's very oh we have to protect bella from the vulture so we'll both cuddle with her in this tent oh no you're a vampire and it's too cold get out it's very that but worse yeah and also much like with eclipse a lot of her overhearing these arguments people are having about her yes yes very that as well uh, so, okay, tragically, so, we're still only, like, fucking halfway through I know. the book. So, um, so on another out- raid, on another raid, Jamie gets hurt, and he gets an infection, and also they bring back some, some soul-occupied humans, and Wanda sees that Doc has, like, cut them up and killed the souls inside. She's horribly traumatized and goes to, like, silently fast for three days, Meanwhile, Jamie starts to die of an infection from his wound. She comes back and she's like, oh, fuck. Like, no, I'm serious. I can go in and just get some soul medicine and it will fix him right away. You got to trust me. And they're like, no, but we don't trust you, though. Um, This is just what's happening. But Jared is like, "Okay, like, we'll go. I'll go with you and we'll go on a raid. They go and it's it's so stupid. Um, So she's like, oh, um. Just, I need a fresh wound so that they can give me medicine. So, like, I need you to just, like, fucking beat the shit out of me, please. And Jared's like, I don't want to, but then he does. So she is, like, bleeding. She's a mess. She goes to the hospital. Um, they All of their medicines are just named, like, heal and <laughs> calm and sleep. They just have, like, a one-word name. It's, like, I don't know. Yeah. Cool and smooth and... All these other dumb things. Um, so she she's just, very like, straight nervous. up, like, yeah, she's very nervous. She's not good at lying. This is established. But it's also established that souls aren't prepared for deception at all, so they're not expecting her to be lying. They can tell by her eyes that she's one of them, so they're just like, yeah, of course, you wouldn't do anything untoward. Meanwhile, she's just, like, shoving medicine down her shirt and, like, sprinting out the door. Uh-huh. Yeah, and in the meantime, also, they have noticed that the Seeker has been out, the one that she was supposed to meet up with has been out around the cave area and for a while like that is another thing that causes everyone to mistrust her because they think that she's led the seeker here but she's like no i also have been trying to get away from that particular seeker and they she brings back all of the medicines to heal jamie and she does that successfully but also they capture the seeker and they want to kill her or try and rip her soul out and uh, Wanda is like, no, actually, I know how to do this. I, I have the knowledge to get the soul out correctly and safely. 
and uh, does uh, an operation on the Seeker to separate her from her soul. And she and makes also this deal with the doctor. It's very, it doesn't add up. She's like, I'll tell you what you need to know, but you have to agree to all my terms. And he's like, okay. And she's like, so my terms are, I'm going to tell you how to do this. And you have to, you can't kill the souls, but you can put them in the cryo tanks and then just send them off to another planet. And that'll be easy because we keep these literal live frozen souls just sort of in a pile out back behind buildings and it's fine. Just throw it in the pile and it'll get put on a spaceship. No big deal. So anyway, you do that. But also, um, there's no way that I'm going to keep living in Melanie's body and there's no, and I don't want to go to another planet. So I need you to just kill me. And this is just sort of the pinnacle of all of her self-sacrifice. Like at every turn, she's like, oh, just kill me. Just kill me. And now she's, once again, asking for this, um, d- insisting upon it. Like, you take me out of Melanie's body so that you can all have Melanie back and everyone will be happy, and then just kill me. Just bury me in the desert. Um, don't put me in another body. Just kill me. And Doc doesn't want to, but agrees to it. Yes. So she... Um, and they've also, like, she's done another couple, like, surgeries, helped him, like, take some more souls out of the bodies and it turns out that if you're not like as active your consciousness is not as active as melanie's you kind of just are like this vague mis- mishmash of both your previous personality a blank slate and the soul that was removed from you mm-hmm. or, that doesn't but like, ever go anywhere though <laughs> well or kyle brings back his girlfriend's body Jody, but she's been a soul for so long that they go days with the soul out of her and Jody is just sort of like comatose like she doesn't even have enough human left to you know perform her sort of basic body functions so they have to put the soul back into Jody and that whole thing is real weird yeah oh um, so they also they they now that they have discovered that Wanda knows how to like do good raids they start bringing her on raids and basically it just amounts to her like taking things yeah, she just goes into a store and she's like, hello, fellow aliens, I need 100 Cheetos, please. And they're like, here you go, thanks. Yeah, like, there's a point where, like, a, a, a police officer pulls them over and it's just like, gosh, like, you're going over the speed limit. It must be because you're so tired. Have a five-hour energy. Yes! Like- Have a capital A awake. Safe travels. Bye. <laughs> Can we can we circle back to something about the seeker because this is actually one of my my favorite things that I did not remember from this book. Mm, yes. Um, so I re- I remembered first of all I remembered the first part of the book which is like when Wanda is in civilization and teaching and having these um, interactions with the seeker who is determined to get her. Um, I remember that being a much larger part of this book than it was. And I think it was because like, again, the seeker is like one of the few characters in the book who seems to like really want something and be determined to get it. She's got this kind of Javert thing going on. (laughs) Everybody hates her, including the other, or the other aliens, like the healer who meets her at the beginning is basically just like, she's a bitch. The, um, the, the comforter thinks that she's like over the top and then it's just like all this stuff like Melody and um, Wanderer who doesn't hate anybody just hate her and they'll just throw in things about like how she's fucking ugly you know yep. it's just like all of this awful stuff and then the punchline I guess um, and I had forgotten this until I reread the book is they take 
the seeker like soul out of her to send the seeker back into space and it turns out that the host body is just a total bitch and everybody hates her (laughs) because she's still had the personality and so that doesn't really resolve like she's still hanging around with the cult at the end but everybody is just like oh god that you know i hate that anybody has to interact with this woman i feel sorry for the person who has to room with her and it just like it just kind of feels like stephanie meyer based her on somebody she didn't like yes. like a critic or something oh my gosh <laughs> yeah um, i don't know those crack me up Yes, and um, and also it's revealed that the reason the Seeker was so obsessed with Wanda was because uh, her host buddy Lacey was also very present in her head, and the Seeker wanted to keep that a secret and wanted to figure out how to deal with it, and so she thought that Wanda was more successfully dealing with it, and she like wanted to learn her secrets, but she didn't. And also, Lacey was a bitch, so who could blame her? I'm just, I, I'm just, this is what the narrative wants us to tell I wants us to think i don't think there's ever anything that demonstrates why this woman is so terrible it's just we're being told how terrible she is so yeah fucking lacy man right uh anyway they resolve that business and wanda is prepared to die and so she goes for the surgery but then she wakes up in this cannot be overstated just a tiny girlish adorable precious so tiny Ew. adorable teeny tiny very small body and she's like, what the fuck, you guys? And they're like, well, this body, um, it couldn't live without a soul. It was too burned out. And then they're also like, we specifically picked out a really small, cute one for you so that no one would ever be afraid of you because this body is just too small and cute. And so even though you're an alien, like, you're just so tiny and adorable and everyone will love you. Which yes. she is not crazy about because Melanie is gorgeous and badass and physically imposing and like a triathlete or something, you know. Mm-hmm. So she she doesn't like it, but I guess everybody else decided that they would like her better if she was cute and infantilized. And then she lies about her age so that Ian can fuck her. Yes, her yeah. her teeny tiny body is sixteen, and, and she knows this from the body memories or whatever. But she's like. Oh, um, you know, my birthday's coming up soon. I'm almost 18. And everyone's like, oh, really? You don't look it. And she's like, no, it's totally true. Um, mm-hmm. Although it is canonical that she's a terrible liar, but everyone's just like, yeah, okay. That's great, because now you can fuck Ian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it ends with them going on another uh, raid, quote-unquote, into town, and they discover another group of humans. And that group of humans also has a soul living among them peacefully, so maybe there are others to be continued. But hopefully never will be continued. Although there is always a rumor she's working on a sequel. Yeah, I read somewhere that her plan was to do a trilogy. Uh-huh. And as recently as like 2015, I want to say she was saying, which of course is not all that recently now. Right, right. Um, but... Uh, was saying like in interviews that like yeah she was working on the next one and there were going to be three all together and that they were going to be called the seek the next one was called the seeker and I can't remember what the last one was going to be called but clearly she's had other books come out since then and I've not heard about this I've I didn't find anything that had referenced this any later than 2015 so who knows maybe she abandoned it 
Right. Well, and then I also was looking at her website because I was just like, what is she up to? And last year they announced that The Chemist, which is her other book that we read a while ago and immediately deleted from our memories, um, <clears throat> there was news that they were making that into a TV show, but I haven't heard anything about else about that either. By the way, that book I could not finish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it just... I liked The Chemist more than I liked this. Uh-huh. I, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say I liked The Chemist, but I felt like there was more going on in The Chemist. Not all of it made sense. It but things happened in a way that things didn't happen in this book. Doesn't that one have twin brothers that she is what is mean and what is nice? Yes. Yes. Okay. And... Wait, are I Kyle and Ian twins? I think part of it was that I had already read the host, and when I got to it, I was like, oh my god, it's going to be another She Likes Two Brothers thing. I just checked out. So. <laughs> um, but she doesn't like Two Brothers. She doesn't like Kyle at all. Uh... Uh, right. Well, that was, I remembered when I went, but when I was, I was confused by this, because I actually remembered um, um, Jared and Ian being the brothers. Oh, so I I, when I got back to this, I was like, oh no, there's just another extraneous brother. Yes, a bad brother. Um, by the way, throughout this, when she starts making her decisions and when they start learning more about like what it's actually like to have a soul in your head and talking to Melanie about what it's like, I really am shocked that at no point did anyone say like, oh, Wanda, if you love Ian and Ian loves you, why don't you just go be in Ian's head and then you can be together all the time? Especially and since Wanda... And not worry about whether she's of age. Exactly. Well, and especially because it's so, you know, Ian's like, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what body you're in. Although then she's like, what if I wasn't a dude? And he's like, uh, so whatever. Um, Yeah. yeah. Alien is fine, but not a gay alien. Gross. What? (laughs) The gender stuff in this book. I mean, obviously gender is like weird and made up anyway, but was so weird. So weird. Oh yeah, like and by we have not talked about motherhood in the aliens, uh, which Wanda has the capability of being a mother, which is pretty rare. She describes it as being kind of like in a beehive where there's one queen and millions of drones, although they're not exactly drones. But, um, but in order to give birth, like she would die, like her body would explode and form a million new souls, but she would die and it would be very painful. And so every soul's first memory is of their mother's painful death. And like between this and Renezme, like needing to be chewed out of Bella, like <laughs> what do Stephanie Meyer's children, uh, like what message are they receiving? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Like, and then there's another point where, when she's arguing with Jared, she's like, I'm a woman too. Like, I am capable of giving birth. And isn't that what signifies a woman to you? And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, yeah. the, there's this constant low key background radiation of gender essentialism that was incredibly off putting, like, from the very beginning all the way through the end. It, because and, originally, ugh. when, when, um, she shows up in Melanie's body. Some of the people insist on calling her it. And presumably to me, that was like it because she's not human and they're othering her. But to her, it was like they were misgendering her. Like, I thought that that was like, a, that was a little bit of a weird, um, because it's like, oh, I thought that it was about whether you're recognizing somebody's right to be treated as a city creature. But no, it's like, they don't really think she's a girl. 
it was it's just it's just like soaked in this gross gender essentialism uh-huh. uh, the entire thing from beginning to end and i didn't like it in case that hasn't been <laughs> clear over the past five years of me doing this podcast yeah right. and, well, and also Jeff- um one other thing so wanda says like i always ask to be put in a female body because i'm a girl but if there's so few like you know women in their species i feel like that means most of the women are walking around with a man alien like as these creatures understand it in their heads and i i don't know like that's not really addressed at all but it's just that wanda is a mother and a woman and she needs to be in a woman's body and really gross but also it doesn't add up beyond beyond anything like especially talking about alien species and all of these different aliens and like I would say Stephanie Meyer does a decent job of describing a array of dominant species on different planets that look and are an array of different like types of creatures but like this hammered home gender binary throughout makes no sense when put under that lens yeah she'll just like casually mention that um that oh this planet had like four different genders and they would be in these like multi poly relationships and she's so cool like this but it's like I'm a girl though yeah oof anyway should we move on to our dramatic readings and just sure sure just pump yeah. this directly into your heads <laughs> good idea oh uh, can I, I go ahead and do mine first because I think it gives some background please do okay so I just my dramatic these are very short and they're not really even dramatic. But the I got I bought a newer edition of this that was cheap on Kindle and it had an interview with Stephanie Meyer in it, and or a conversation with Stephanie Meyer, and I had actually been under the impression that this book was like something that she drafted when she was young, and then when Twilight was successful, they were like, oh, what do you got? And then they came up with this, and nobody bothered to edit it. That was like all I could come up with. But actually, apparently, she came up with this during Twilight. Um, so the, the, there's two different questions here that I think are of interest. So the first one is, Stephanie, what inspired you to write the host? The kernel of thought that became the host was inspired by absolute boredom. Well, it's like, good job. <laughs> I was driving from Phoenix to Salt Lake City through some of the most dreary and repetitive desert in the world. It's a drive I've made many times, and one of the ways I keep from going insane is by telling myself stories. I have no idea... What sparked the strange foundation of a body-snatching alien in love with the host body's boyfriend over the host body's protest? So to her, that was like the core of the book is that there's a love triangle with the host body's boyfriend, not any of the world building stuff. So she says, I could tell there was something compelling in the idea of such a complicated triangle. I started writing the outline in a notebook and then fleshed it out as soon as I got to a computer. The host was supposed to be more, no more than a side project, something to keep me busy between editing stints on Eclipse, but it turned into something I couldn't step away from until it was done. So that is basically, this was her, uh, most much as we know, I think that The Chemist was her born identity fanfic. <laughs> this was her, like, fanfic for, um, or, you know, her, her sort of fun novel while she was supposed to be editing Twilight. And then... This is the second part that was interesting to me. You have referred to the host as a science fiction novel for people who don't like science fiction. Can you explain that? 
So her answer, reading the host does not feel like reading science fiction. The world is familiar. The body, you as the narrator, are moving around inside is familiar. The emotions on the faces of the people around you are familiar. It's very much set in this world with just a few key differences. If it weren't for the fact that alien stories are by definition science fiction, I wouldn't classify it in that genre. And then I have two thoughts on that. One, that's insane. (laughs) She does not understand what science fiction is. She doesn't understand what this book is. But then I also wondered if how much of that is just like sales puff, like that she has to like, because I looked at at the um, sort of the publicity when this came out and they were really trying to push the romance angle. They were really trying to push the, you don't have to like science fiction angle. And um, so I'm really like, not sure how much of it is. Oh, I don't really care. If, If she doesn't really care about science fiction, why are there all these sort of cool little outtakes about all the stuff happening on other planets? And so I just was like, I don't know. It's very, I, I, it sort of reinforces though to me that she's a writer who doesn't understand what she's doing and what works about it. It's also clear. I mean, so if she's writing this in the middle of her hugely successful series, that an editor would just be like, all right, fucking whatever, I guess. And that she would be in a position where I think an editor could be like, why don't you cut down some of this and maybe do a little bit? And she'd be like, no, no, no. And they'd be like, okay. Or just something with a hurry. Yeah. It was too much trouble. Yeah, either way. Yikes. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about Kevin. Please. Uh, So this is when Wanderer is waking up and talking to the healer and just sort of getting um, aware of Melanie's body. And so the healer says, we called this soul racing song at first. It was a loose translation of his name on the singing world, but he soon opted to take the name of his host, Kevin, though he was slated for a capital C calling in capital M musical performance. Given his background, he said he felt more comfortable continuing in the host's previous line of work, which was mechanical. These signs were somewhat worrisome to his assigned comforter, but they were well within normal bounds. Then, Kevin started to complain that he was blacking out for periods of time. They brought him back to me, and we ran extensive tests to make sure that there was no hidden flaw in the host's brain. During the testing, several healers noted marked differences in his behavior and personality. When we questioned him about this, he claimed to have no memory of certain statements and actions. We continued to observe him, along with his comforter, and eventually discovered that the host was periodically taking control of Kevin's body. Taking control? My eyes strained wide. With the soul unaware, the host took the body back? Sadly, yes. Kevin was not strong enough to suppress the host. Not strong enough? Would they think me weak as well? Was I weak? That I could not force this mind to answer my questions? Weaker still because her living thoughts had existed in my head where there should be nothing but memory? I had always thought of myself as strong. This idea of weakness made me flinch, made me feel shame. I'll stop there, but it, uh, well, actually, I'm going to say one more thing because it made me laugh. Um, Kevin is now seven human years old and perfectly normal, aside from the fact that he kept the name Kevin, that is. (laughs) That's not Sick burn on Kevin. (laughs) Um, 
By the way, I think one thing we forgot to explicitly say is that the souls are essentially immortal. Like, they can keep living over and over in host bodies, and they only die... I mean, they can be killed. But they die um, of exposure if they're outside of a host body. Um, and then the the mothers commit suicide in order to, um, to make babies. So, yes, like, literally, the only way you don't live forever is if you... Uh, do what everybody in the society is gently nudging you to do, which is suicide so you can have children. Yeah, it's fucked. All right. Uh, I'm going to do the last dramatic reading, which is uh, Wanda slash Melanie trying to steal medical supplies and trying to lie her way into the healing facility. And we'll take a look at that. The woman behind the reception desk, middle-aged, with dark chocolate skin and a few silver threads in her black hair, jumped to her feet when I lurched through the automatic doors. Oh no, oh dear. She grabbed a microphone and her next words echoed from the ceiling, magnified. Healer Nitz, I need you in reception. This is an emergency. No, I tried to speak calmly, but I swayed in place. I'm okay. Just an accident. She put the microphone down and hurried around to where I stood swaying. Her arm went around my waist. Oh, honey, what happened to you? So careless, I muttered. I was hiking. I fell down the rocks. I was cleaning up after dinner, a knife in my hand. My hesitations seemed like part of the shock to her. She didn't look at me with suspicion or humor the way Ian sometimes did when I lied. Only concern. You poor dear. What's your name? Glass Spires, I told her, using the rather generic name of a herd member from my time with the bears. Okay, Glass Spires, here comes the healer. You'll be fine in just a moment. I didn't feel panicked at all anymore. The kindly woman patted my back. So gentle, so caring. She would never harm me. The healer was a young woman. Her hair, skin, and eyes were all a similar shade of light brown. It made her unusual looking, monochromatic. She wore tan scrubs that only added to that impression. Wow, she says, I'm Healer Knits Fire. I'll get you fixed up directly. What happened? I told her my story again as the two women led me down a hallway and then through the very first door. They had me lie down on the paper-covered bed. The room was familiar. I had only been in one place like this, but Melanie's childhood was full of such memories. The short row of double cabinets, the sink where the healer was washing her hands, the bright, clean white walls. First things first, Nitz Fire said cheerfully. She pulled the cabinet open. I tried to focus my eyes, knowing this was important. The cabinet was full of rows and rows of stacked white cylinders. She took one down, reaching for it without searching. She knew what she wanted. The small container had a label, but I couldn't read it. A little no pain should help, don't you think? I saw the label again. She twisted the lid off. Two short words. No pain. Was that what it said? (laughs) Open your mouth, glass spires. I obeyed. She took a small, thin square. It looked like tissue paper and laid it on my tongue. It dissolved at once. There was no flavor. I swallowed automatically. Better? The healer asked. And it was already. My head was clear. I could concentrate without difficulty. The pain had melted away with the tiny square. Disappeared. I blinked, shocked. Yes. And I know you feel fine now, but please don't move. Your injuries are not treated yet. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Almost as if she were trying to help me fulfill my mission, she listed the names as she reached for them. 
clean inside and out, heal, seal, and where is it? Ah, smooth. Don't want a scar on that pretty face, do we? Ah, no. Don't worry, you'll be perfect again. Thank you. You're very welcome. She leaned over me with another white cylinder. The top came off this one with a pop, and there was an aerosol spray nozzle underneath. She sprayed my forearm first, coating the wound with clear, odorless mist. Healing must be a fulfilling profession. My voice sounded just right. Interested, but not unduly so. I haven't been in a healing facility since insertion. This is very interesting. Yes, I like it. She started spraying my face. What are you doing now? She smiled. I guess that I was not the first curious soul. This is clean. It will make sure nothing foreign stays in the wound. It kills off any microbes that might infect the wound. Clean, I repeated myself. And the inside clean, just in case anything is snuck into your system. Inhale this, please. She had a different white cylinder in her hand, a thinner bottle with a pump rather than an aerosol top. She puffed a cloud of mist into the air above my face. I sucked in a breath. The mist tasted like mint. And this is heal. She continued twisting the cap off the next canister, revealing a small pouring spout. It encourages your tissues to rejoin to grow the way they should. And I'll end there. It goes on for a while. But yes, these are all the names of things that they, the medicines that they use. Yeah. Totally normal. Totally fine. Uh, all right. You want to play some Would You Rather? Sure. Would you rather be infested by a soul or a yerk from Animorphs? By the way, the main difference is when you are infested by a yerk from Animorphs, you are fully aware the whole time you never are lost the way these humans are. But also the yerks have to leave every three days to go feed in their pools, of course. We all know that. Um, I think I'd rather be infested by a soul because even though on paper they're both like taking over the whole of the planet the souls seem much more chill about the whole thing whereas the yerks were much more aggressive Mm -hmm. and also the whole like having to go into a pool every three days is a real vulnerability that uh would probably be a problem so yeah i'm gonna go with the soul yeah, I'm the same. Like, the worst thing about the souls seems to be that, like, their TV shows are pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's like they just do, like, like they go hiking and do, like, fun stuff on weekends. And they go shopping, but they don't have to pay for anything. They have lots of Cheetos. And just, like, they, they I haven't read Animorphs, but being a Yerk seems like a lot of work that I'm not interested in. Well, I'm saying you would still be a human. You would have this in your brain. I know, but yes, yeah, still. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, the difference to me is if you are controlled by a yerk, you are still in there and you maybe have some hope. But mm-hmm. um, I think I'll I'll join you in just the comfortable non-existence of being a soul. By the way, we're fine. We're all fine. Don't worry about us. But also if an alien, <laughs> if an alien wants to take over for a while, I whatever, I guess. All yeah, right. Like if they, yeah. They can do the boring stuff. Like, Melanie goes and hides when she's bored, and then she, like, comes back and bugs Wanderer when she wants something to happen. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, How about if you were an alien, would you rather infest a human body or a seaweed, which is a kind of sentient plant, I guess? By the way, this is a wordplay. It is S-E-E-weed, because I guess they can see. I don't know. 
Yes, they they can all see. They all all their arms are covered with eyes, and they're all psychically linked to each other, so they can see everything on their water planet simultaneously. Are they the ones who sing, or is that a different one? That is a different one. I that think. was the bats. Okay, I'm investing a human for the Cheetos. I am also investing a human because having someone know all of my business all the time via psychic connection to everyone else on my planet seems not what I want ever. Exhausting. (laughs) Although if you're a plant, how much business do you have? (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I'll I'll take a human body as well. Thank you. Finally, of course, would you rather eat fresh bread baked in a cave or eat at Steaks and Cakes, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the movie that serves only steaks and cakes? Um, You know, I love bread a lot. I do really love bread to the point where I reading, finishing this book up yesterday, I was like, what if I just made some bread? <laughs> but, you know, I do love a steak and a cake. And that is slightly more variety than just bread in a cave. Plus, I'd get like, you know, probably a window um, at Steaks and Cakes. So I'm going to go with Steaks and Cakes. Yeah, I like fresh bread, but I'm anti-cave. So Steaks and Cakes sounds fine. Absolutely. I'll see you guys there. Excellent. Um, Okay, let's breeze into some real quick reader's advisory. We're going to be real quick on this, and there'll be a further list available on our website, worstbestsellers.com. I think you should read Animorphs. I think everybody should read Animorphs. Goodbye. Um, I put down, I had a few, like, sci-fi books um, about people taking over the world or about cool aliens, but I will just mention the uh, Marvel comic Emperor Doom, which is where Doom takes over the world via the Purple Man, Doctor Doom. Um, and everything is peaceful and great, but he gets bored, so he st- he screws it up on purpose. And then just also, like, if you like the alien shit, pretty much any um, random episode of Star Trek will be more interesting and more developed than this um, than this book. And then I recommend author Stephanie Meyer watch the show The Good Place so she can learn what it's like when characters actually have a thoughtful discussion about ethics rather than whatever this book was. Mm. Um, I'm just going to say, if you haven't already watched it, watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, The one from the 50s is very good. The one from the 70s is also pretty good. The most recent version, I didn't like very much. I think that was from like the 2000s or so. I don't know. But I mean, any of them, they're all basically the same story. And also, there's an episode of MST3K, The Giant Spider Invasion, in which uh, the cutscenes, the... um, like interstitial bits outside of the movie are all um, about the the Mads and then um, everyone on the satellite being taken over by body snatcher esque pod people aliens and it's pretty good and funny. Excellent. Yeah, I'd rather watch any episode of Mystery Science Theater than read this book. True. Let's go do that. No wait, we have to finish this episode. What's your candy <laughs> pairing, everyone? Uh, My candy pairing is one of those giant theme park lollipops, like the big spirally colorful ones, because it's so long and it tastes like nothing. I put the Charms Blow Pop because there is a tasty outer shell that you go through very quickly. And then there's some gum that does not have a lot of flavor, takes a long time to chew. By the time you're done, your jaw hurts and you don't remember why you wanted that candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, similarly, I chose a, a giant gummy worm for it's big it's hard to get through and then also because the souls look like worms 
<laughs> Excellent. How about Rock Paper Snicked, the game where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Carrie will choose which most enhances this book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. All right. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be another denizen of Jeb's cave. I don't know that he would actually add anything to the actual story, but he'd punch Jared in the face a lot of times <laughs> for vague plot-related reasons, and that would be enough for me, to be honest. Yeah, if Wolverine were in this book, I don't think he would be one to necessarily join the commune, but he does love to live alone in a cave, as we all know. So he would just be sort of nearby, their like grumpy cave neighbor, and um, I think he would totally stab Kyle. Kyle knows why. Kyle knows what he did. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I as but I would like like bad stuff happening to a lot of the extraneous characters in this book, but I'm just slightly going to bru- I'm going to choose um, Snicked Wolverine because Wolverine does like caves, and stabbing some of these people would totally take them out of commission. Yeah, yeah, because they wouldn't have their heel. Yeah, it would be earlier on in the book. <laughs> Okay, what do we think the moral of the story is? My moral of the story is to bring on the brain aliens. Uh, my moral is, uh, it didn't quite get to this one, but it sort of goes with my feeling on the ethics, is that everybody was totally fine with shipping the um, the souls that were removed to other planets. And so basically no one cares about the innocent beings on the other planets, I was originally going to have it done as fuck the innocent beings on the other planets, but that could be misconstrued because uh, everything that Stephanie Meyer does is like very under the surface horny. Uh, my moral of the story is just uh, release Midnight Sun, you cowards. <laughs> no more of this, more vampires. Yes, please give it to me. If you could do it in the next, like, 365 days, it would be especially helpful for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please, just everyone keep that on your vision boards. Stephanie Meyer, get your shit together. We need content. We're we're going to have to scrape the full bottom of the barrel and read that Brie Tanner book, I guess. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where, of course, my cat Duarte will give his thoughts and opinions on this book. Mm-hmm. You know what, Duarte? I will say one thing I'm really glad of is I feel like a lot of times in these kind of survivalist stories, there's always kind of a mention of, like, and then we had to, like, eat our pets. And they never get into that. And thank God. Thank you, Stephanie Meyer, for not doing that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I personally feel like it's good that there's not a lot of cats in this book, because if there were, it would probably be like, oh, and then we brainwashed, we brain aliened the cats as well. But, you know, your mileage may vary. Maybe there would have been like a cat version of Melanie who fought back the brain worms. And, you know, (laughs) once again, as I frequently remind you, Duarte, uh, you could post your now Hugo Award winning fan fiction on AO3 (laughs) for others to appreciate. Yeah, sounds good. Did Hadassah have anything to add, Carrie? You know, she, I was earlier, I don't know if you could see it or not, but I was just um, filming her face with my phone. Um, but she got bored and went off. Well, I, I get it. This is a boring book. <laughs> Overall, with a few gems of what the fuck in the middle. Yep. 
All right, Joe. Well, I guess we've already gotten into our closing thoughts. That was mine. Does anyone else have a closing thought? This was nah. very long. So long. Nah, too long. I this. I feel like there's the germ of an interesting book in here, but just she's not interested in the right stuff in this particular story. Yeah, I would love to read. Well, I say that not really because I don't care that much. Hmm. But oh, okay. Sorry. I was trying to see how long this book was, and instead I hit play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was a very long book. All right. Well, if you want to come talk to us about how long the host is or what kind of alien you'd like your body to be taken over by or, I don't know, what you want us to do for the next five years of this podcast. Oh, uh, we didn't make any last five years jokes. Fuck. It's fine. Um, anyway, if you would like to talk to us about any of that, uh, we have a Facebook. It's facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. We have a Twitter. It's at worstbestseller with no S because the, uh, S fought its host, the S fought its soul too badly and it, uh, its body was destroyed and now we just don't have that. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group, which is best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the Goodreads link. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the places you can find podcasts. You can have uh, an you- alien worm climb into your brain and just read the podcast to you. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a little complicated because we don't have transcripts for very many episodes yet. We're working on it. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. If you rate and review us, uh, it sends us up a little bit further on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, I would say, like, we'd send an alien to take over your brain to do it for you. But, like, as I said previously, I personally feel like that might be, like, a good thing. So <laughs> Kate's calling dibs on the aliens, and you'll have to find your own. Yes. Um, you can also pledge to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. If you're unfamiliar, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like uh, pay for our web hosting, pay our editor, buy books that are out of print uh, secondhand when we do books that are out of print, and all sorts of things like that. In exchange, you get perks. Uh, like a newsletter that comes out once a month with uh, information on things that we're reading and watching and listening to, and discounted merch. We also have a regular merch for people who aren't Patreon folks that you can get to by going to our website at worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch to look at all sorts of things from our podcast that you can wear on your body. Uh, finally, I guess if you just want to come, just come talk to me personally about how great the Animorphs are or other topics of conversation, uh, I'm on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And I'm on social media at 14 Across. I'm not really on social media right now. Um, I sometimes use it and then I get in fights with people and then I delete it. So, you know, that's (laughs) part of my do-gooding. All right. Well, if you want to... If you're meant to talk to Carrie, um, it'll happen. So. Yeah, you'll know. That's, that happened to me and you while we were watching the host, so we could be happy about that. Yes, the universe will bring you together if it's meant to be. Uh, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us for this no and problem. so many other episodes. And uh, just, yeah, let's all keep vision boarding that Stephanie Meyer will give us more to talk about soon. 
But a shorter book, please. Kate. Vision board, short. Shorter, more entertaining, you know. Maybe, like, not so obsessed with whether your characters are underage and can be with adult men. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, so that's the that's the energy we're putting out into this year, and hopefully the universe will pick up on that. And then, right. in the meantime, we'll be back in two weeks with um, the book The Rock Says by, you can guess, The Rock. Yes. Exciting. <laughs> All right. Um, bye. Bye. Bye-bye.